grabbed the agent. I said, what are we going to do here to restore value? The local agent gave me some great tips. Said, we definitely got to get the street and curbside appeal back. We've got to get that plants planted. We've got to bring this property back to life. So it's comparable to having nice people live in it, not being a ghetto looking property. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor, the podcast dedicated to helping you crack the code of real estate wealth. Sam Saggers here, and last week we spoke about how to keep your wealth during crazy times like COVID. And today I want to resume the conversation on avoiding the tough times that so many investors are being sucked into right now. I'm going to talk to you about rents and how property investors are maintaining and even increasing their rents during COVID. And maybe, even more importantly, how your property manager may be holding you back from thousands of dollars in rental income. So, let's move on to the whole triad. Holding real estate has a triad, and there's three parts of the puzzle. First part is the tenant, which we just talked about. Second part of that puzzle is the holding triad itself. The holding triad is the fundamentals of the workmanship of holding real estate. Being a good borrower, being a good landlord, understanding what it takes to succeed through hold concepts. So to be a good landlord, to be a good borrower of real estate, you need to understand strategy. Strategy is really important. If you don't know how long you need to hold the real estate for, what your ultimate end game is, what the mathematical equation is on how much real estate you should buy to then go and hold, then you need to have a talk with a strategist, right? You need to reach out to people. Analyzing real estate is great. And when you analyze real estate, you also need to analyze, is it suitable as a long-term property? A lot of people fall for this one when they're building wealth. They analyze a short-term property, but expect a long-term result. They analyze something which they can make a bit of money on in a weird little neighborhood, in a weird country town, and they make some money out of it, but then they've got to go and hold it for 20 years. And then they have this discussion in their mind well i've made a little bit of money and i bought the asset but now what happens what's going on what do i do now it's been five years and the property hasn't gone up the rents haven't gone up what do i do with this asset of course that's when the question then surfaces in the analytical part of the process of buying the real estate did you take into consideration that the real estate needs to be held for 20 or 30 years the other big concept of holding real estate is vanity. Vanity. Now, vanity, of course, is often associated with good-looking roosters and the good-looking birds looking in the mirror too much. But vanity and real estate is a thing, right? You can 
question yourself a lot and this is what spooks people about real estate they look at it and then they go that it's not working i why is it not working how can i what have i done why didn't i make any money da, 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 da. remember what i said in the beginning if you want normal results from real estate you've got to go a normal distance if you want normal results from real estate you're not going to get an abnormal return your property's not going to go up overnight by double, to double in value, most people have to go on a journey. And a journey takes years. And this is the challenging part about real estate ownership. Holding real estate is a series of decisions. Holding real estate begins with your tenants and moves in how you actually consider real estate, not over the short term, but over the long term. It also is a series of human emotions where you have to check yourself so you're not going bonkers holding the property, just wishing for wealth. You have to hold for wealth, which is a big, big, big process. And of course, a lot of people get their numbers wrong in the beginning. So then when it comes to holding wealth, they run out of steam. Numbers are things like your cash flow, your rent, your outgoings, your taxes, your future taxes, your uh, associated costs. And many people buy a property, and sometimes it's an older property, of course, older properties break down more, so people don't factor the cost of the breakdown of the older property. They create a cost structure as if the property was brand new, but the property is actually 45 years old. And then all of a sudden, the bills and the maintenance and the levies, and the council fees all start to rock in. I guarantee you right now, we're in the middle of coronavirus. Someone is getting a bill today from a property investment that they are going, oh my God, can I keep going holding this property? I'm not making money, but I've just got a $2,000 plumbing bill for a property investment. Now, all of a sudden, you start to have these irrational conversations with yourself that you cannot go the distance. And many people are just structured wrong to not go the distance. What I'm here to tell you today is to get it right in the first place, right tenant, right dynamics, right numbers, right vanity matrix, right analytical structure around choosing the right property, right strategy to begin with. All of this is your preparation journey for holding real estate over the long time. And then of course, because now we have a lot of green swan events, what's a green swan event? A green swan event, of course, is all the environmental challenges we currently face in society. Things like cyclones, bushfires. These are now really prevalent. All of a sudden, owning property in the wrong street, wrong suburb that is impacted or even wrong city that is commonly impacted by bushfires or green swan events like cyclones, your insurance premiums skyrocket. It's happened to me. I've had to let it go. An awesome property I loved. I couldn't hold it. I wanted to hold it. I got eight years. I got eight years. Eight years out of her. And I had to let it go. 
I couldn't get to 20. I couldn't get to 30. And the reason I had to let that property go, it was cyclone prone. The insurances skyrocketed. Great investment, great location by virtue of uh, beauty, but not great location by virtue of insurance premiums. So the maths doesn't lie. The cash flow doesn't lie. And this is where the breakdown happens of holding real estate. Remember, as a property investor, you do not want to have a breakdown. You don't want to break down. Who likes breaking down? I broke down on a freeway once. It was the worst experience of my life. And I don't know how to change a tire. I learned. Know your skill set, right? And this is big because a lot of people struggle with the idea of understanding that there are skills involved in holding real estate. Property management skills, strategic skills, mortgage skills, all of this associates to holding real estate. And of course, there are factors that also influence your rental return. Now, why I harp on about rental returns is rents cover your debt. And if you've got the right amount of rent, you can cover your debt, you can cover your expenses, and you can put money in a buffer for when you have a problem with your property. Or if you've got the right amount of rent, you can even save to upgrade or renovate your property later. So rents are the great equaliser of real estate. And good rents equals longevity. Longevity equals wealth. Think about that, right? Real estate, the longevity of it is designed around your rental return. If your rental return is superior, the longer you can hold the real estate, the more wealthy you're going to become. That is the principle of what we're talking about here. So what factors actually influence rents? Well, of course, I've talked about tenants, and I'm not going to harp on about tenants anymore. But the first one is location, right? Location, location, location. It's so important when we analyze location, just like I talked about. I had a really good location. I had a bad insurance location. Location, location is a few fundamentals. But if you can generally find a really popular place, it's going to rent well. Because it's popular, it's going to get rental increases. And because you're going to get rental increases, you're going to live off more cash flow, hold real estate longer. Second component is livability. Livability, 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 something I talk about a lot. I think I've talked about it in past episodes. Don't want to harp on about it in this episode because I'm a bit of a livability fan. But the livability dynamic is obviously a neighborhood which offers a lot and so people live there. Short-term shocks do affect your rental market and we're going through a short-term shock right now. We've got coronavirus, a pandemic spreading across the globe. It's causing financial catastrophe across the globe. Many pockets of our cities are now getting trampled by corona and that is causing a downward pressure on rental returns. But I tell you what I am seeing is the properties that I have in livable and really good locations are not going down in rent whatsoever. So short-term shocks are a thing which will impact your holding strategy. Downturns do occur. Every 10 years there is a downturn. 
So you have to learn to live with downturns if you're going to be a successful holder of real estate. Remember this phrase, after contraction comes expansion. After expansion comes contraction. That's how real estate works. People love convenience. Tenants love convenience. So you want to have a property which is connected to this idea of being mobile and convenient and have really good proximity. Now, I tell you what, interest rates also affect the rental market or your rental return. Interest rates, things like uh, if they're going up, you can generally put the rents up on property. If they're going down, though, you also have deflation occurring. And that means rents also generally go down. A lot of people often misunderstand the mathematical equation of real estate. This is a big sector of real estate. If it costs you less to borrow money, but you're getting a little bit less in rent, then paying more for money, money, but just getting a little bit more in rent, you're going to be better off paying less for money and actually getting less rent. So all of a sudden, the idea that you might have bought a property, for example, six years ago on a cash rate of 3%, borrowing money at 7%, renting a property for 5.5%. Today, the cash rate is 0.25%. You're borrowing money at 3%, but instead of your rent being 5.5%, it's now 5%. Do you see the difference? you're paying less for money, your cash flow position is stronger, the ability for you to hold real estate longer is there. It's in the numbers, which is awesome. Of course, little things can affect the rental market. Things like the first homeowner grant. Of course, that just means all of a sudden people are opting out of being renters and trying to be first home buyers for the first time in their life. And... Generally, first home buyers come from the rental pool. So less renters, a little bit of a challenge then to uh, the rental market. That means more vacancy and, of course, less ability for the rental market to grow. But other little things are really important to choosing a rental property to hold for a long time. Things like the transport um, around the property and obviously good amenity. Now, I want to talk about one or two more things before I sign off. And I think being a great holder of real estate, it is really important to understand how to actually be a good landlord. A lot of people are actually not good landlords. And I want to tell you a quick story. Recently, I got contacted by a client of mine and very concerned about price movement on her property. It dipped by 10% in value. So I wanted to go and see what was going on. Can't have a 10% drop in value. I went to the property. The property was missing its front uh, trees, its fence, which had a botanical kind of look and feel to it, absolutely gone. The street appeal of the property had dropped so much in value that it went from looking like a beautiful homely place to live to actually looking rather scary and almost dangerous to live. In the property, the tenants had gone from being 
awesome tenants to the type of tenants you do not want. The rents had dropped because that type of tenant was a problematic type of tenant. Because the rents had dropped, the value had dropped. Now, I tell this story because quite often people who perhaps buy interstate or aren't close to a property, they rely on property managers to be their guide. But here is one of the big misnomers of property management. Many property managers don't look at real estate from the value proposition that if you keep your rent strong, you will keep your value strong. Rents and property values are linked. If your rents go down, the worth of your property can also go backwards. So it is so vitally important to hold real estate, improve your rents, because that also improves your value. The moment your rents start going backwards, the challenge is that usually signals your real estate is also going down. Now, there are green swan events, there are black swan events like coronavirus, which are independent of that logic. In other words, a pandemic is causing a rental fluctuation, but I am talking about appeal loss to your real estate. If your real estate loses appeal, it is going to go down in rental value and that usually has a corresponding link to its worth. So it is really, really important here that you heed what I am saying. I went to that property. I went to the property manager. I said, what is going on here? When this property was purchased, my client had a beautiful streetscape, beautiful facade out the front, a botanical fence. Right now, the front of this property looks terrible. What is happening? And this particular property manager also had a maintenance contract with this property. They were an on-site manager and the property manager just revealed, look, I hurt my back 12 months ago. I've just let all the plants and trees die. It's not something I've kept up with. Um, that's life. And I'm like, holy shit, man. I'm like, mate, have you told the owner what is happening to this property? Because they've bought a property in a bloody good suburb, in a bloody good area, expecting rental performance and capital growth. All of a sudden, because the appeal is lost on your watch, we have an absolute problem on our hands. I went and got the local real estate agent. Sometimes it's really good to get a local agent's perspective. Grabbed the agent. I said, what do we got to do here to restore value? The local agent gave me some great tips. Said, we definitely got to get the street and curbside appeal back. We got to get that plants planted. We've got to bring this property back to life so it's comparable to having nice people live in it, not being a ghetto-looking property. Of course, that costs that owner money, thousands of dollars to go through a rectification process to rectify getting bad tenants out and putting good tenants in. This is a process, folks. Like, you've got to know what your property is doing on most given days, right? You've got to understand what its rental appeal is. 
Too many people get this part wrong. I'm going to explain it in three parts of the puzzle. There are three types of property manager. The first type of manager is what I kind of call the Qantas airline property manager. Now, Qantas has a pretty good safety record. Been flying for 100 years, never had a stack. Qantas, through the pandemic of coronavirus, is still afloat. You've got to hand it to those guys. They are doing it so bloody tough. Not one industry in Australia would be doing it tougher than an airline right now. You can't even fly abroad. These guys are holding their own. And I call the property management service, which is a full service operator, so important for holding wealth for property investors. Here's the problem for most property investors. They outsource their wealth to someone they do not know and have never done business before with based on a fee. They find a fee and someone they'll never met, a property manager they may speak to for 10 minutes and do business. That is the selection process of management. Does that not seem absolutely nuts that someone might own a $500,000 asset? I mean, we're not talking about a business suit here. We're not talking about a beautiful dress or a skateboard. We are talking about a $500,000 asset that they do business with, with someone they have no idea who they are and they put their wealth in this person's hands. Now, the lady I helped buy the property put, their, put her wealth in someone's hands who let them down. But she had a full service operator. She bought the Qantas ticket. I went there, I had a look. I found the local agent to give some support. Between her team, she got a result. She got her property back on track. The property's regained value. It cost more money for the ticket, but it flew. Now, here's the thing. The second selection of a property manager is what I call a single service operator. A single service operator is the Virgin Airlines of the industry. You go to the airport, you're going to get on your plane, it's probably going to be a half an hour late. You will land, you are going to be late for that meeting, but you're going to get a result. The single service sector is usually a small local business operator that has, I don't know, has a property manager and a salesperson. That's the single service model. The full service model is a broker, a manager, a strategist, an accountant, a team. They are a full service model. And you'll pay five, six, seven, eight percent for the full service model. You'll pay for the single service model, five, six, seven, eight percent. You've just got to understand the difference. And then there's the low cost model, which is kind of like the Tiger Airlines of the industry. Uh, you'll get to the airport, you'll have to wait two hours to check your bag in and you'll eventually take off 
But you're probably going to be stuck on the tarmac for a good three hours for some reason unknown to anyone because the fleet isn't big enough. The low-cost carrier is not something I would ever put my wealth in. And here's how low-cost carriers work in holding real estate. Low-cost carriers are outsourcing everything. So generally they work from, say, like a WeWorks or from a, a, a co-work space. They've got this sort of modern venture capitalist kind of attitude, which is cool. Like they're cool. They look cool. They look cool, man. They're wearing, like, T-shirts and hats backwards and shit like that. These guys, like, look the part. They're, like, venture capitalists. They look like they're out of Silicon Valley. They look like they're Google and they want to rent your pro- – Google wants to manage your property. That's what they look like. But here's the problem with the model. It's the low-cost model. They're actually not necessarily using retained profits to create growth. In other words, they are raising capital to create growth and they are probably running at a loss. In fact, Uber still runs at a loss, but it's a venture capitalist business. It doesn't make money. But that's not the point of Uber. The low-cost carrier outsource everything they do and this is where I really fall apart with this model. I fall apart with that model because at the end of the day you want someone who knows that the trees are missing from the front facade not someone who is air tasked to go and see your property and do a maintenance report. Does that kind of make sense? Like who wants that? This is your wealth we're talking about. We are going 20 years with this sucker. You need to hold this piece of real estate for a long time. You want the A-team to do it. After all, you spent so much doing it. So for 10 bucks a month, people cheat themselves out of such a big opportunity to create wealth. They outsource it to the wrong model, to the wrong people, to the wrong service. And that is one of the biggest problems with real estate Really, one of the things that has inspired me to talk about holding real estate, understanding that buying real estate's great. It's fun. We all love the idea of owning real estate and talking about building more wealth. I love it too, guys. I'm addicted to it. I love thinking about buying real estate. It's more fun than talking about holding real estate. But here's the thing. Holding real estate is something which is going to help you In your retirement, the longer you hold real estate, the better off you're going to be. I genuinely want the best for you. Think about what I've said, some of the dynamics around the triad, holding triad. We've discussed the idea of holding real estate by virtue of a good tenant. We've discussed real estate today by virtue of a good landlord strategy about understanding the difference around being a landlord, about understanding the difference about what it takes to own real estate. The idea that you do need to analyse the right property to hold. We've discussed what it means to you know, avoid these big insurance premiums and so forth. So when we meet again, I'm going to teach you some more stuff. I'm going to go over how to master cash flow on holding real estate, 
how to make sure you're debt busting your debt and running over it with a steamroller. I'm going to give you so much content context at our next podcast. But today I do want to leave you on a high. You want to absolutely hold real estate for a long term. You can do it. There are three parts of the puzzle. Today we discussed two parts of the puzzle. The first part was the type of tenants you need. The second part is your holding strategy. Next time we meet, we will discuss the cash flow part of the whole triad so that you can go the distance holding real estate and crack the code of being a great property investor. Until we meet again, I'm Sam Saggers and I've enjoyed the episode. I hope you have too. I will catch you real soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.